Hello, this is Harrison Kim, and you're listening to Working with People by PaveStep. The Working with People podcast is for executives, managers, and people leaders. We bring people experts together to provide you with relevant content on how to think about and manage your most important asset, your talent. We have Kay here with us today. How are you, Kay? Man, I'm great. How are you, Harrison? I am good. Trying to stay safe, well, and kind of sane, given all the things that are kind of going on. Yep, universal. That's. I feel like that's universal. Exactly. Where are you calling in from? I am calling in from Houston. So the beauty of technology is it gives us an opportunity to connect even though we're far away. So I'm happy to be here and I'm happy to be in sunny Houston. So yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. So we're going to be talking about developing leaders, managing and developing middle managers within organizations. But you know, before we get started, I would love to understand who you are and what you do. Yeah, certainly. I am a managing partner at Shift Consultancy and Advisory. The focus of my practice is management and leadership development. And this is a joy for me to do. I consider myself super lucky to be in the space of helping people achieve and become the best versions of themselves. And, you know, the road here wasn't smooth. It was definitely rocky, full of turns, full of life experiences, full of developmental experiences. And so for me, my goal is always to help help people grow into the leaders that they want to become. And I think my driving force is to collapse the decades and decades of personal learning and strategic learning and the, the learning that I've gotten from my coaches, my mentors, into days uh, for my clients. And the whole goal is to let's impact the world. If we can change one leader, that one leader is going to change a team. The goal is to have this ripple effect across our business landscape. Awesome. We're going to be focusing our conversation around developing and managing middle managers uh, within organizations. And I looked this up and there was a recent study that talked about a significant percentage of managers have really never received any management training. Typically, you see the awesome individual contributor performing really well, get promoted to management without any kind of proof or training around how they can manage. Why do these organizations, you know, skip development and training at this level? Yeah, you know, I think this is like when you bring up the issue, it becomes very clear. But Mm -hmm. I think it's also for organizations, they have so many things that are burning that maybe this fire in particular doesn't catch a lot of attention until it becomes an issue of either performance or succession. So it's interesting because I think you're exactly right. There are lots of studies now that are proving that this is a part of organizational development that requires a little more attention. I think the last study I read was in Forbes, and they may have cited a different story uh, or a study from career builders. And I think the number that I remember reading is 58% of the leaders felt that they were insufficiently trained. So 58%. So just for like round numbers, we're going to say at least half of the leaders out there feel like, man, I could have probably gotten a little bit more support and development moving into this role. The impact there is when I unpack it, it's a little worrisome primarily because that middle management level is an important piece of that conduit from leadership and strategy down to tactical operational work. And if there's a breakdown there or if there's inefficiencies there, that's where we're going to see 
a lot of either efficiency or productivity leaks or a lot of churn when it comes to HR. And so I think when it comes to why organizations don't spend a lot of time here, I mean, there's just so many pieces. Honestly, I think the biggest piece is that they don't know how to deploy a scalable and effective program, primarily because there are so many middle managers and development at this level can be so high touch. That's the rub. How do you do it in a in an efficient manner so that we're preparing the right people? And I think you said it exactly right in terms of we promote people who have succeeded in individual contributions. And now we're like, well, you were great there. Now we're going to put you in this role. And I think there are, like I said, so many contributing factors, not only just the ability to scale and effectively create a program, but in large parts, I, I don't think that we're being as critical when we're looking at the skills required to be a successful manager. It may right. be completely different or definitely adjacent to the skills that were important as an individual contributor. Yeah, and it's really interesting because you see that more blatantly in like sales, just because of the nature of the department and the KPIs, which is very front and center, like revenue or gross profit or whatever it may be, where a lot of organizations have started to kind of see this, oh, you know, an individual contributor who is a really great salesperson may not be a great manager for salespeople. Totally. Um, they've started to see that, but I don't think that's been translated into other departments as clearly or as easily. Oh, absolutely. And I think the more technical you become, the more clear it becomes. Mm. I think if you, and you're exactly right in other departments where there's less, you, we're moving away from technical pieces, it becomes very blurred because the talents required to be a great individual contributor can be perceived as something that would translate into a really good middle manager. Right. And, and that trips us up. And to be honest, I think I was listening to an HBR podcast where the another tricky thing is it's a self-fulfilling cycle, right? We've seen this in healthcare is, is an old analogy, whereas, you know, if you have a nurse manager on the floor who has promoted decades before, uh, the only way that he or she may know how to teach and grow nurses may be the same way that he or she was initially taught. And right. it may be a really a brutal experience, whereas now we know that we can implement different tactics. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those self-fulfilling prophecies. Yeah, and when you talk about the 58%, it's interesting because assuming that study was self-reported, Sure. Right, the number may actually even be big, bigger, right? Because right. some people may not either recognize or may not want to admit that their uh, management skills are not there yet. Totally. So you were talking about the scalability, some of the challenges that organizations have. So in your mind, how can organizations approach the development and training of their mid-level and middle managers? Like, what is an effective framework and strategy? Uh, so I think we need to take a step back from how we mm. normally look at programs within an organization. I think typically what we do is we create a program, we implement the program, and then we measure the program. Right. And from start to finish, we could have come off track. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Versus maybe taking a step back and 
doing two things. Let's make sure that we're aligned in terms of the impact, and let's make sure that we're committed in terms of the time and resources. So in terms of alignment, let's just say we are looking at how we build our pipeline of succession. Mm -hmm. If that is the measurement, let's understand the impact that we're trying to have and then go backwards and build the program and deployment based off of that versus the other way around. Got it. And honestly, I've, I've not seen a lot of success in the current ways that we do it, which is we feel like, and with the use of data, it's probably less feel now and, it's, mm-hmm. and it can be more data driven, but our middle managers need more knowledge when it comes to influence. Great. Let's go ahead and implement this training module that focuses on influence. And then we get to the end and we're like, well, how do we measure that? And we all know that at the end of the day, all of our efforts, all of our money put towards something, we have to be able to show outcome. And then so it looks like things have failed, and then we start to not put as much commitment into that. And so I think that's like maybe if we deconstruct it the other way, we'll have a little more success. And when we're all aligned, it's less jockeying for improving, right? Typically at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is prove something. But if we start with that alignment, we can all be better on the same page and on the same path when it comes to how we're going to do this. And then I think the trickle down from there is if we're aligned there, we also must be aligned when it comes to the commitment of time and resources. We see a lot of commitment in time and resources when it comes to senior level and executive level coaching. I've actually seen it baked into contracts. We're going to bring on the CFO, and part of that contract is they're going to get executive coaching. Right. Really, really interesting. Middle level managers. You you absolutely (laughs) don't, right? But the middle level managers, they're the root of your tree. They're the root system. And so if we have this really weak root system, any movement up top can pull the tree out. So I think being able to say, hey, we're going to commit to the dollars and we're going to carve out time for these folks to spend in development. Right. I think that makes a lot of sense. So on that point, more specific, if you think about these organizations who are listening to the podcast, we're just thinking about, okay, like we have a problem here uh, with whether that's succession, whether it's performance, whether it's retention, morale, whatever it may be. And one of the ways to fix that or address it is by developing better managers. What are some of the core skill areas that they should be thinking about when designing their you know, leadership and management programs? And, and I know it may depend a lot on the organization and culture and all of that stuff, but in general, table stakes, skill sets and attributes, what should they be thinking about? Yeah, I think the first thing that, and it always happens with every single one of my clients, especially if they're new to a, this mid-level manager or even just an entry-level manager position, It's understanding the landscape because the nature of their role is different. And you're right. Depending on the industry and depending on the role and the company, the amount of talent you used in the individual contributor space may slide up or down. Mm -hmm. But the nature of your role is very different. And when you don't shift that mindset, a lot of things can be skewed. To answer your question, hey, what are these table stakes? I think the first thing, like I said, is understanding the framework. My role as a manager is to, one, have an opinion. Number two, be able to figure it out. And sometimes when you move from individual contributor 
to a manager, you may still have that very solution mindset, which is I have to come up with the solution. Mm-hmm. No, you don't have to come up with the solution. You have to help facilitate it. The real big thing that we're seeing that's a requirement for success is the ability to exercise empathy and exercise mm, right. it strategically. Then from there, empathy, I think, really is the gateway to influence, which is what we should be helping middle managers build is their ability to influence because now we're not dealing sometimes with just your immediate team. Now you're dealing with members of other teams. And it's a little different if you need to move people and you don't have that dotted line relationship. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. our ability to influence or their ability to influence not just their teams, other team members, but also their peers. The next thing is putting those all together to be able to strategically implement this and exercise it tactically. And that's an art. I think that's as we get up the ladder of a corporation, it becomes less about individual contribution and it becomes more about influence and being able to tactically deploy those soft skills. Right. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And when you think about empathy, that's definitely has been highlighted, especially in the last several months around the need and really the critical need for managers to be able to be empathetic and kind of give space and understand their employees. Absolutely. So in terms of looking at these organizations that are trying to understand their managers, because, you know, maybe you'll typically have, you know, call it like 20% who are great managers already, and you've got like 50% who need work, et cetera. How do organizations or how can they determine which managers need to be part of this initiative and program? Because I feel like a lot of the organizations don't even have this kind of data in the first place. Right. And so I think you right there, that last comment is, man, that's more the norm than not. And I Mm -hmm. think because of that, I think it's safe to say that the majority of mid-level managers would benefit from talent development. And so if you take that approach that we're not taking chances, as an organization, we're not taking chances and hope to find out that you have talent or that you've developed talent on your own or that you were lucky enough to be mentored internally or externally by somebody who is a great manager or great leader. So if we take the blanket approach and say, you know what, let's share this information, let's share this knowledge, let's share this coaching across all of our middle managers would be my recommendation. As I say that, I also recognize that a lot of corporations are going to come back and say, you know what, we are operating in a very lean time right now. Mm-hmm. How do we do that? And I would argue that if you don't spend time in that development, with development, that you're going to lose efficiency anyway. You're going to lose efficiency. You're going to lose productivity. You're going to lose talent. So if we're going to lose that time and space, let's be proactive. Let's grab that time and space, and let's use it in a productive manner. I don't know that you would get a lot of pushback from managers in terms of, you know, I mean, we've citing that number earlier. At least 50% of them feel like they were underprepared. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that the other 50% feels great about it. Right. So I have this question around like scalability. You mentioned scalability of training programs and things. And specifically, 
there's one extreme version, e-learning. Everybody just like look at this video online and obviously that's quote unquote extremely scalable, right? Yes. Yeah, uh, totally. Compared to like a one-on-one coaching, you're actually having like a mentor or a coach spending time, which is, I would say, probably the opposite end of that. Absolutely. Um, how do you balance that out in a large organization? That's a great question. and I think that's always been the rub. But I will say something about this. To make habits become a ritual, mm-hmm. it has to be sticky. Mm-hmm. Right, You have to have frequency and consistency. And so for programs to have their intended impact, the touch points do need to be frequent and consistent. And I think that there's a blend between these self-study modules and these coachings, right? So is it a blend of like, hey, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about, we're going to review a module. Everybody's going to self-study this module. We're going to come together as a group. To talk through this module, we're going to make it as sticky as possible. However, we either through accountability buddies or through a group of mentors within the organization, we're going to continue to make it sticky by just touching you and saying, hey, how is this going? Tell me what's been a challenge this week when it comes to active listening. And so I think there's a blend someplace in there. And it can, one, it doesn't have to be perfect. Some action is better than no action. And number two, Depending on the organization, you can toggle those activities as you see fit. And I think as an organization becomes stronger in terms of their development, what you can see is that maybe, you know, the culture is such that we've got this growth culture, we've got this mentoring culture that Mm -hmm. have become so second nature. Right. I mean, that's something that we think about for internal purposes as well as our clients. And, you know, it's all about creating frequency, creating consistency so that you can have a real habit within the organization and it may start at the individual level, but over time and over practice, it becomes a ritual, right? And that totally. can really enable those kind of cultures. Yeah, and you know, I, just to add one more thing, I think also having seen this across organizations and having, you know, just gone through it myself is as organizations, we also need to do a really good job of showing people, of showing our employees and our managers what's in it for them. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many trainings that I've been to that I couldn't connect the dots. I was like, okay, great, I read this book, but how does this apply to me? Right. And they were like, oh, okay, well, if you've got this particular employee, and I was like, I don't know, my that employee manifests itself in like seven different characters in this book. <laughs> She's a little John, and then on Thursday, she's a little Mary. And then, and so I think that the, as organizations, you know, to touch back on some of the things that we talked about earlier is not only like understanding the landscape, but also helping them connect the dots, how this impacts them professionally, how this impacts them personally, because it's very, very difficult to only be a leader at work. Right. Right. If you become a leader at work, you're going to start to see that you become a leader in your personal life. And vice versa. Right. So. Yeah, that makes sense. So I have one last fun question for you. Totally. Your favorite spot to hang out in Houston? Oh, you know, Houston is massive. My favorite spot to hang out in Houston is probably, uh, it's going to sound so lame, Harrison. You got to think uh, about that's one that's appropriate. <laughs> ah! <laughs> well, great. That scratches a good, up top five. I know. I was like, now I'm down to the 15th one. I think my favorite <laughs> spot to hang out in Houston is a little coffee shop 
So Houston, if you're not familiar with Houston, we have these little pockets of neighborhoods that are very eclectic. And one of my favorite spots to hang out in is a local coffee shop called Slowpoke. What's nice is it looks out onto a park. Everybody finds some sort of entertainment and joy in people watching. (laughs) If that was an Olympic sport, I would be a gold medalist. (laughs) And so I think what's great about Slowpoke is that you have this great vibe of a coffee shop, great coffee, but you also get this opportunity to observe people. In what I do, that's a major component of what makes me good at what I do is my ability to sit back and observe. We get to do that against the backdrop of a great part of Houston and, mm-hmm. you know, and great coffee. Awesome. I'll definitely have to visit if I, yeah. uh, if I get a chance to go down there at some point. When you come down, we'll quietly dip into Slowpoke together and just, and just people, people watch. watch. <laughs> yeah, we'll take notes. And I was like, I want to see your story about that person. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been really, really fun. Where can the audience find you and your thought leadership? Certainly. I would definitely recommend connecting with me on LinkedIn. I love sharing information about leadership and management. Like I said, I'm so driven on making an impact in the workplace. If we can make the workplace a place that's free of tension and free of unnecessary complications, We're going to be able to impact so many lives. Work is a place where you can come, feel like you contribute, feel like you grow, and feel Mm -hmm. like you grow other people. And connect with me on LinkedIn. It's K-Toe. Ask me questions. Read some of my posts. Read some of my articles. And like I said, I'm happy to help. Awesome. Well, thank you all for listening to Working With People by PaveStep. Feel free to check out other episodes on pavestep.com slash podcast. Thanks, Kay. Thanks a bunch, Harrison.